Hi guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate all of the support and staying alongside the audio to now visual component of Beans Without Boundaries. Uh, going forward with the second season, we do have like an, a little bit of increase of cost. So we set up a little donation thing through Buy Me A Coffee. It's a little website that if you're willing to just splurge, there's an option for being able to just buy me a coffee. It also gives me a good idea if you really are enjoying our content and would like to help support and continue it. The link will be in the description underneath the YouTube video. It's also going to be in the description for Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify Podcasts as well. Uh, Whichever platform uh, would be greatly appreciated to just continue following along the journey and whatever you're willing to just kind of help with feedback, whether it's comments on the videos or just going on social media. Um, And if you're feeling typically generous, it'd be great to just throw a coffee my way. Thanks for listening in and until next time. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you you for inviting me. Yeah, I was definitely wanting to to talk to you about a lot of the stuff that it seems like you have going on. Uh Uh-huh. And I know that we had had like a very broad introduction through the coffee retreat this past year. And I know that we didn't get a chance to really sit and talk and like get to know each other. So yeah, it was kind of last day. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It it wasn't that long for all of us to talk either. So yeah, I wanted to get to know you more and I wanted to ask you about like what you've got going on. Just tell me a little bit about you. Like what brought you into the coffee industry? Like what's making you want to stay? Like what in general, like got you on the journey of being in the coffee world? Okay, that's a great question. Why I want to (laughs) stay. <laughs> okay, so um I I started in coffee about 10 years ago. I'm sort of like a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I, I I worked in graphic design and communications for a long time. And then sort of like chance I I got involved with someone who was in the coffee business. Um they were part of my family and they ran a coffee business in Quito. I am based in Quito, Ecuador. And I was kind of looking for a side job and to learn something new. I wasn't into coffee at all. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a passion I was pursuing or something like that. It was like, oh, extra money. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I will do it. So I started learning from them. Uh, They provided like... um, training services for their clients. They, they were like wholesale, um, they were in the wholesale business and they would provide training for their cafes and restaurants who would buy their coffee and they were kind of, um, busy. So they hired me to learn how to train people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I started training I was new, but like I learned how to train baristas, mainly baristas at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I, I got involved. And after a few months, I, I was like, oh, I like this. Why don't I open a coffee shop? <laughs> I was like, 
sounded like a great idea at the moment. I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. To be honest. There's probably so much. Yeah, it's not easy. I was I was pregnant with my second kid Mm -hmm. at the moment. So now that I look back, yeah, it's like, what was I thinking? That's a lot to take on. (laughs) Yeah. Who would think I had a I had a full time job Mm -hmm. and then I decided to open this cafe in Quito. At the time, it was like all the specialty coffee world was super new. Mm -hmm. It is still new here. We've been producing coffee for forever, but it's like coffee was meant to leave the country, to go somewhere else. Uh, It was not meant for us to to drink it. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least not coffee as we, maybe you and me and people in the specialty coffee business know it. Right. It's like, it's a coffee culture, but the coffee we've we've been drinking is um let's say my colleagues wouldn't enjoy it (laughs) yeah and now i understand why uh i can tell you more about it later uh but yeah so i i got like into this business and when i opened it was like of course way larger than i imagined so it like occupied a large part of my life I quit my job mm-hmm. and I dedicated full-time to it and to having kids <laughs> right because that my, is also my, a full-time job full-time <laughs> like the full-time that my kids left <laughs> working technically three full-time jobs being a mom and yeah, opening a place uh-huh, something like that uh-huh. <laughs> but this place uh sort of uh became my like my learning space you right. know it's like I had a place where I could just experiment and do whatever I thought was best at the moment. And that has changed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember the coffee I used to sell 10, nine years ago. And it's like, what? <laughs> I wouldn't sell different. it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. What I thought at the moment was like the best mm-hmm. I could offer. Um, so that was like my learning space. And it still is, I I guess it's still the space where I can like basically do whatever I want. (laughs) Uh, So um, then I started like trying to learn more about quality. I don't know what got me into copying and sensory analysis that really Mm -hmm. caught my attention. And I think I felt I was sort of, I don't know, like good for it. You know, it's like. It was easy for me yeah. to cut to when people were talking about, oh, this coffee tastes like, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, so that's what like I, I, I started learning more. So I started copying, training, then I became a curator. And then I, I worked for a large coffee exporting company for a while. That was like my way of basically copying more mm-hmm. <laughs> i wanted to cup more coffee right uh yeah in botanica in my cafe it was like i bought so it was like i could cup once every three months you know it's like i didn't have to cup much coffee yeah so this job for me was a great opportunity to 
like I, I, I thought that was going to be the big thing. And yes, I learned a lot, but it also connected me to coffee Mm -hmm. on a different level. I started like building relationships, like, Mm -hmm. you know, wider, it was more than coffee. Coffee was okay. That's what we do. It could have been grapes or pickles or whatever. (laughs) It was coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, (laughs) but uh, all the things that happen around it, it's a, it's a world that just like opened for me. And I guess like, especially like the, like the people, and I don't want to say like, yeah, the people in the business is what (laughs) (laughs) it's me around, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's, I hear that a lot, you know, it's like the coffee community, Mm -hmm. uh, or, or the lives of producers. And it's like, yes, but, um, on different levels, I think when you work in a producing country, you get to see the dynamics of the business of the industry and you get to see like, like, like an X-ray of all the levels, all the stages. Mm -hmm. Um, before I started working there, I started judging barista championships. Mm, Okay. So I would like travel and have espressos and listen to baristas talk about their coffees and who produced them. Mm -hmm. And, and I love it. It's like, it's a wonderful part of this huge world, but, um, somehow I feel like there is like a connection that's missing there. Between the baristas? Yeah, like in not it's it's not like that baristas are disconnected mm-hmm. or the WBC is disconnected. Right. It's just you learn a lot about coffee, about people. You also make connections and meaningful connections there. Um, I think they are great spaces for um, sharing in general. You know, it's yeah. like sharing different experiences but just like from somehow like like a small uh perspective or a different one that you can have when you work buying coffee Mm -hmm. when you are like working with people that produce coffee and like i think one of the things that made me start questioning everything was the fact that all all that that I loved like copying and sensory Mm -hmm. analysis and finding crazy flavors and recognizing acidity and like the actual product you know it's like all that sensory part that Mm -hmm. is beautiful actually comes with so much responsibility and with so much it's so important for these people that are not involved in that process. So it's like producers like bring their coffee and buyers cup and as um, pleasant that activity may be, you know, it's like, oh, I love cupping. You cup a lot of coffee. Then you have to 
put a price on that coffee. It's like you are capping to set the price mm-hmm. that you are willing to pay for that coffee. And from the beginning, it started like, I was like, something is not okay here. Yeah. How is it that I get to set the price for something that I Could don't do. know yeah. what it took to produce? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, in, in, like in any other product or any other business activity, I guess there may be something like out there that I don't know of, but where do you go and say, Hey, I want this pair of shoes and I'm willing to pay this much Mm -hmm. because I think they are medium quality. So I don't think they will last long. So I'm just going to pay you this much for them. Nowhere, you know, it's like, or if you go to the grocery store or if you go like, it's crazy that the one that is going to buy the coffee is the one in charge of setting the price. Yeah, it's backwards. It's it's like, what? And it's been like this for a while, like forever. And that's the way, like the whole industry, it's like, yeah. And people are all the time saying, oh, I paid more for this coffee or I paid a premium or we are paying better. But are you asking them how much do you want for your coffee? Like how many of, of all these companies that are like communicating to their consumers that they are paying more are actually changing the dynamics of the negotiation? Yeah. How many of them are saying, okay, I like your coffee. Please let me know how much. <laughs> it it doesn't happen too often. So I I I still had my own business and I was like, I myself was doing that before, you know, it's like, I, I was also guilty of, Hey, I'm going to pay you this much because that's the way I learned. Yeah. And then there was a time when I said, no, I, I just can't anymore. And now I, I will always ask how much do you want for this coffee? And, uh, we can provide quality analysis services Mm. that is like independent, but, and I can be totally transparent and honest about the quality of a coffee. And it's hard. Some people will still follow the same dynamics producers. You know, it's like, I don't know. You tell me how much are you willing to pay? Because everyone, that's the way they are used to sell their coffee. And I am, I don't know your costs. I don't know your needs. It's like setting a price shouldn't come from the the buyers um the buyers anything you know it's like how bad do you need that coffee then maybe you are willing to pay a bit more because that's the only coffee that will fit a specific need you have mm. but you will never show that to the producer right it's a, yeah it's a fucked up dynamics so <laughs> i i think um, that's what I've been up to like lately thinking, how can I contribute to change that? That's pretty big. Yeah. That's a big responsibility. But 
to try. No, to and I, I don't feel like I have the responsibility to change that for all the industry. Yeah. I can start by asking the producers who sell me their coffee. Just I ask them, even if it's two kilos, I don't, I, I am small, <laughs> but wouldn't it be different if these large companies would ask how much for your coffee? Like everything would change. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing, I don't know if you attended the, the green, the, the green defects workshop. I didn't personally. Okay. So the <laughs> other thing, <laughs> the face you made. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I'm not judging. No, I, 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 I am honestly asking yeah, yeah, because yeah. I didn't know if, if you already heard this before, mm. but, uh, what I mentioned, uh, at the beginning that now I understand why the coffee we've been drinking forever is not the best. It's actually, uh, like every producing country is left with the defects, with the leftovers from export. In many, many products, I think could be the same, you know, you export the best, right. the best bananas, the best shrimp, the best yeah. here. It's like, if you see like producto de exportación, it's like, wow, this is the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am going to buy this producto de exportación. I am so lucky that I get to buy something that would have <laughs> left the country. Yeah. You know? Wow. And same with coffee. It's like, we have a coffee culture, but we have a, uh, like a defects or a, we call them segundas, like everything, like from the farm, in the farm, you go through processes to separate like the good beans mm. from the bad ones, from the defective ones that stays on the farm and they sell it for a lower price, much lower price to people who are then going to roast it or to sell it to someone else, whatever. But that is what is sold in supermarkets, for example, then at the milling or ex exporting level, the same, even when you have already like floated the defects and you have the good stuff, that good stuff also has defects. So there are these, um, standards, you know, like yeah. specialty coffee is specialty coffee because it's above 80 points, but also because it has less than X number of defects mm -hmm. and that is written in contracts. So as exporters, you have to meet these standards to say you are exporting specialty coffee. So you have to clean the coffee and then sell these segundas locally. Mm. And that is basically what, what we drink. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. That's why. Uh -huh. uh -huh. It's like, I don't think one asks these questions. I didn't like yeah. think about it until I got to work processing coffee and separating defects by hand with equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I also started wondering why, you know, it's like, 
when you, when I buy coffee here for my coffee shop, it's like a luxury to clean that coffee. You know, it's like you would like, if you remove the defects, you are losing a lot of coffee, like volume. Mm. If you don't remove them, you are not necessarily losing a lot of quality. You are not necessarily compromising quality. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, depending on what defects. Yeah. But it's not, it's not as bad, you know? It's not like, oh, I can't drink that coffee because you just like didn't clean the defects. Right. And the coffee just doesn't come out of the plant clean. Doesn't come out of the plant with no defects. They are part of the coffee, you know? It's like some, someone has to do that job. And the producer doesn't get paid for defects or it's not like we will pay the same. We coffee buyers in general. So yeah, I wonder why not? If you can pay the same for the, those defects and if you can just keep them there and roast the coffee and it'll taste the same, why not? Just, are you sure that these defects affect cup quality yeah so basically the workshop i was telling you about is let's try the defects like mm. separately so i am sorting out defects like separating them like black beans sour beans um broca beans and put them in the coffee and you tell me how it tastes is it a like large difference no difference at all, some difference. So it's kind of an experiment. trying to prove an experiment to see like where this goes. How has that been working out? Have people seen big differences with the actual cup and the quality, if it has a difference or not? Uh, some of them, yes. Um I don't think we've had like enough people doing it. We do it in triangles. So it's like two base coffees and one with defect. Mm. So you can, to see if we can, you can find the difference. So I'm trying to do it with more people to have like a statistically valid data. Yeah. But I can tell you that not everyone can tell the difference. It's not so obvious. Yeah. And it, it varies, of course, defect from defect you know it's not the same for black beans uh like it is for like broken chipped it's they are hard to recognize <laughs> yeah i feel like a lot of the time people usually get trained to understand what defects taste like versus like the general people who are drinking coffee don't really automatically know but, no you get but you get trained to 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 taste defects that don't come from a physical defect. So you are trained to taste phenol or mold or ferment, but they are not necessarily related with these green defects. Mm. So if I taste phenol, it may come from a perfectly beautiful coffee with no defects. It's not, it doesn't come, it's not related. related. They are not tied. So, but I don't think people are trained to taste defects because they never get them. 
<laughs> they basically don't receive True. them. They get perfectly clean coffee. And sometimes it's like, oh, they get defect and it's like, oh, my coffee has like a black spot. It's like, Come <laughs> it, try it. Mm-hmm. Try it. Did you try it? No, no. <laughs> like, I'm going I to die out. because yeah. I have a, yeah, they freak out and they haven't even tried it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't worry. There, there are like full countries that have that coffee for breakfast. Like just that, like, yeah. not even mixed up with, with the good stuff. Mm. Just that for breakfast for 40 years. I'm here. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, don't like relax. Worry. You're not going to die. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> so what I'm curious is with you having such a broad and vast um, connection with the quality aspect and being in part of a producing country, how do you see how the women are treated and like how much they're integrated into the industry, whether it's <laughs> whether it's um, a positive way or something that like is a continuous struggle happening? Oof. A uh, hot topic. It's a loaded question I just gave you. <laughs> I mean, I guess we all know how like the world works for women in general it's not like coffee is the exception um i don't think the struggle is different from other other businesses i guess i don't know if you're a woman in technology i don't think that's going to be like super fine super fun either uh, there are, of course, there are environments where I feel you like you don't feel the difference or you feel comfortable, maybe in more like modern and, you know, it's like if you're in a barista championship, all good. In Latin America, we have a very sexist culture. It's, it's like, if you are a woman and you succeed in something, it must be because you did something with someone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, really? Are you really that smart? Or mm. <laughs> you're just pretty. <laughs> I see you're pretty, you know, like, um, I, when I, I, I got a job that was like, a job that was high responsibility, like, I I won't say like high level, but yeah, I did have like a team and responsibilities. And in my first day, um, my supervisor or one of the ones above me, Mm -hmm. he asked me, like, how are you going to do this? How are you planning to do this job being a woman that was his question on my first day you know it's like this is is co- it's coffee it's like um you know it's a men's world mm-hmm. all producers like 95 percent of producers or at least people who are you are going to negotiate with are going to be men yeah everyone in your team 
are men. So how are you planning to do the job being a woman? <laughs> like, uh, what do you mean? It's like, right. can you repeat the question? I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, insisting. And all I could say was like, I have been a woman all my life. I was born like this and everything, everything I do is as a woman. I don't know how to do things differently. Yeah. I got here being a woman. I, I went to school being a woman. I like played sports being a woman. Right. I went to call like, I, it's like such an absurd question. Right. You know, it's like, but also it's a great reflection of culture or how they see you. It's like, somehow it's like, how are you with this great, I don't know, almost as if it was like a disability, you know, it's like, how are you planning to deal with this? Right. Like, how are you planning to climb those stairs in that wheelchair? I, it felt something like that. Right. Like, I will figure, don't worry. It's like, I will be fine. <laughs> I am fine being a woman and I've been fine all my life. Yeah. So it is, and I also like faced a lot of, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like the, the same comments, the same situations you live everywhere. You know, it's like in, in college, in school, in a party, in you live in the coffee business. And I appreciate that there is a lot of conversation around it. You know, it's like, um, yeah, let's appreciate women's work. Right. But also I think like, let's just trust. <laughs> we are people and like, let's just trust that we are capable of doing anything. Like basically the same stuff. Mm -hmm maybe better. I don't know. It's like that, like, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, I, I also don't like when they are like, I don't know. Um, it was well recently March 8th. <laughs> I hate that day, like seeing like from the confusion of some people of, Oh, let's celebrate, uh, let's celebrate these beautiful beings. Let's get them flowers and chocolates because they are magical and they are. Are we talking about International Women's Day? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's celebrate these wonderful <laughs> magical beings. And then it's also that it's a lot of people like talking about the hard work of, of women. It's like, yeah, they are so hardworking and it's like, we have to be hardworking because it's the only way. If you're not hardworking, you don't get anywhere because it's not easy. If yeah. you if you relax, you you stay where you are. And I think I kind of felt that way since I started in coffee. As I told you, I felt like I was starting late and I had kids. And so it's like also being a mom, it's like sort of, a disadvantage, you know, it's like, you don't have all the time in the world to learn everything, to attend courses, to travel, to, it's like, you have your limitations. <laughs> so you have to distribute your day and your life in general. 
Um, but it doesn't get easy. It's like no one thinks thinks that, oh, maybe these people who have kids are struggling with with these things, you know, it's like, should we make things, I don't know, remote or let's think of other ways of advancing in careers. And I, I, I have felt that I, I have sort of had to hide that part of my life. It's not, not hiding, truly hiding, but it's like you are expected to pretend they don't exist. You are okay. You are a great professional as long as you don't act like a mom. It's it's great that you have kids. You know, it's oh, it's great. You're a working mom. Oh, great. Let's celebrate you. And then you have to be here on time. You have to be here every day. You have to stay working late. You have to be here on Saturdays. It's in general, I'm not talking from a specific company, but in general, you are expected to be everywhere <laughs> at the same time, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. So as long as you pretend you are a man, you will be fine. <laughs> yeah, that sentence, I think, really says a lot without even needing to explain it. Uh, I remember one time we were working in Galapagos for a long, we, we went there for like three weeks or more than three weeks. And I was like, Oh, I want to go home. And the the man that was with me was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. My kids. And I was like, but who are your kids with now? And he was like, with their mom. Like mm, mine are not. Yeah. Like we're spread every like in different houses, grandpa, aunt, dad, like moving around. And he was like, Yeah, you're right. Like, they are fine. They are with their mom. I think a lot of people <laughs> I don't want to get you depressed. No, 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 no. You're talking about <laughs> real things right now. I'm not I'm just I'm just listening to it with full attention because (laughs) this is just stuff that is really important that people need to understand and be empathetic about like being a woman yes there's certain expectations but being a mom a lot of people forget how much mom tend to be very hardworking, and they want to prioritize their family but living in a society where they have to choose is really difficult and you're just vocalizing that Uh it's like you it's like in in both ways you need to pretend you're not the other one when you're at home you need to pretend that you're not a a professional <laughs> it's like you have to be this, it, it goes de- back devoted uh-huh. so it's like mm. hmm, double personality and that's another thing i i hate that it's like i i want to be able to be the same person and to you know, and to say, hey, I won't make it because my kid is, I don't know, whatever. Right. <laughs> it's hungry and I need to feed them. And I will be 20 minutes late because I have to make breakfast. Right. But somehow it's like in the, in, in, in the working world, it's, oh, oh no, breakfast. How come? What, can they do breakfast for themselves? <laughs> it's like, can, can they make it? 
what are they? I think I can relate to this a lot because my mom was a single parent raising three daughters. So I watched my mom have to constantly go back and forth with struggling with the upper management of the places she worked in and then maintaining a healthy and close relationship with all three of us. And she has three very different daughters. (laughs) So it was a struggle for her. And then I also grew up around my grandparents. So we kind of always had to move and like be around different people just for my mom to support us. And a lot of the time we were kids, you know, we didn't appreciate a lot of the things that she was doing. But I think even like from that perspective, a lot of people don't appreciate moms for what they have to do just to provide for their family and then act like they're okay. Like mental health and all these things. So, yeah, um, it's just difficult. Like, I can only imagine, really. Mm-hmm. So, going from that topic, is there a specific topic in the industry or like a specific subject that you care about the most that's continuing a lot of your storyline here? I mean, um, I don't know if it's, it sounds unrelated, but somehow, um, I guess I see the importance to acknowledge the needs and the realities of the different people we may interact with across this like very long value chain, you know? I feel like sometimes uh, there's this industry model that is that was designed by a specific group of people and that assumes that everyone has the same goals, the same needs, the same, and has to follow the same path somehow. Um, but we like we don't stop and actually talk and get to know these other people because we are basically a chain of people who interacts. Mm-hmm. Coffee is not there just floating in the air. What are they need their needs? What are the producers' needs? What are the quality people needs? Uh what are you know, it's like it's sort of like let's not think that the only need that counts is the consumer need right of having the best cup of coffee in their morning cup so there are many many needs that have to be met and if they are not met in the way i don't see the point of doing it like i don't think it's worth it doing anything like whatever it takes to bring the best coffee anywhere i think the industry the all the industry was built like the specialty coffee was built on this concept of quality Mm. and people go crazy about great coffees you know it's like and every time it's harder to meet these high quality standards yeah when when I started in coffee, an 85 was considered a great coffee. And I am sure 10 years before, an 82 was considered a great coffee. Now, it's like, mm, 
87. What? (laughs) Do you know what it takes? And not only that, but what, what does it take to have an 87 on your table? And what does it take to have an 85 and an 82? The effort is not too different. And I think people should be like free to decide what they want to produce, what they want to sell, what they want to buy. And that we should respect all the range, you know, it's like, sometimes I feel like it's, it's below 86. It's not, it's not great coffee, you know, it's like, and yeah. Because we are focusing only on quality, on flavor, on, on this crazy flavor not notes. Yes, it's fun. It's it's I, I enjoy having a great coffee. I always my partner and I always say we are spoiled because we get to cup the best coffees of Ecuador. <laughs> Sometimes like mm, I I expected more. And then we are like, let's not be those. <laughs> you know it's a great coffee like shut up but (laughs) at the same time it's like if we focus on other things on what are these people going through to produce that coffee or to get it to your country or to roast it just like let's relax a bit it's not that bad if it's not the best coffee in the world if if you're not having a great time you i mean everyone is it worth it i mean if if not everyone is not exactly. enjoying like what they are doing right. mm-hmm. when when i i when every time you go to a coffee event that is usually around quality you know it's like around tasting great coffees mm-hmm. that's what i mean about by saying quality yeah. like a championship, a tasting, a cupping, whatever. It's it's around the flavor, you know, it's around what it's on the table. And everyone is having a great time. And um someone once told me like like all that is happening thanks to someone who is not having a great time at the moment. Like based on someone's effort and someone is being poorly paid and someone is struggling with what they are going to eat the next day or what how they are going to sell or you know it's like so yeah I don't know if I'm I'm like this is too disconnected but I think it's related to the needs you know what are like the needs of everyone yeah no I think you made a really good point that people were scrutinizing other people's work and then asking for more and not being satisfied. And then we're overcomplicating the actual product and what it's supposed to be giving you. Right. Yeah. Thank you. That's right. It's like always asking for more, for more information. It's like, give me all the transparency, all the traceability, all the, so not only you have to produce great coffee, but you have to produce great photos and great stories yeah. and great texts and great captions. And everything has to be, because I, I need to provide 
this buyer <laughs> with information. They want to know about me, my family, my my farm, my dog, my you know, they don't want to know about my needs, my wants and needs, my goals. They just want to have like all the information to sell the coffee. Mm-hmm. And then you never hear back from them. It's like, I would say like, would you take the time to write? Like, what do you like to do on your like, spare time? Yeah. Tell the producer about your dog. Tell the producer about your family. So what if the producers started asking every roaster, like, tell me how you roasted the coffee. Tell me about your roast profile. Tell me, what, did you clean the roaster? How often do you clean the roaster? What's your practice? How, uh, what time do you get up in the morning? It would sound weird, you know? It was like, no one would think that is normal to be like scrutinizing because the other then, side. Yeah. Why is it so normal to scrutinize? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because after like, yeah, yeah. when people want, go to origin and like get involved in in processing, in like, oh yeah, I'm I'm going to tell them how I want them to process my coffee. okay can they tell you how they want to roast it oh my god i didn't know that what there are a lot of people that say like i want this coffee like especially for me for my for whatever and they go there and they ask for specific things god that defeats the point of being there (laughs) like what Oh my God, <laughs> that just blows my mind. It's like if you go into a kitchen and you tell the chef how to cook his food. That's what happens. And people see it as normal. Because somehow people feel entitled to tell others what to do. It's because others of what we built now. From a different background, yeah. from a different culture, right. from a different color. It's like, I know best. So during all of this, you've seen a lot of this happen. You obviously have a lot of information about a lot of different things. Do you have like a saying that you go by or like a mantra that helps you like when you feel like just being like, I need to step away or I can't do this anymore? Like, is there no, something? if I tell you my saying, you will have to. No, go ahead and say it. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> no, no. Just kidding. <laughs> I will curse about it. <laughs> um, no, I don't know if I can like summarize because it's a lot. I know it's a lot. Or I feel like I've said a lot of no. different things. No, I mean, like, I want to hear. Genuinely. I'm curious. No, I'm not going to judge you. No, no, no. It's just... No, no. I, I'm seriously not. I think it's... I actually don't blame, like, anyone. I don't think that people is like, oh, these guys or the, the roasters or baristas or importers or export it's the system so if we don't talk about these things people 
we think it's normal. When I told you that we were meant to produce coffee and export coffee, so it's it's funny. I see all these uh, conversations around like world championships and the world, the the role of like what is it like for Latinos, for example, or from people from producing countries from different regions of the world, like. It's of course uh, not so accessible for us as it is for people from Europe, from the states, um, and people get angry. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's not fair because it's in English because it usually happens in these parts of the world. It's uh, they have access to equipment, to training, they have more resources. All this is true, but I think that it is because at the moment these things were designed like quality contests or championships or training opportunities, certifications, like all these opportunities to grow or to build a career were designed when producing countries were meant to produce coffee, period. They were not designed to include them you know it's like because that was the way the world worked at the moment Mm -hmm. so if they were like well it's in english of course because you speak english you speak english you like everyone in the room spoke english They, they were building this okay they looked the same they had the same realities Oh, we we have access to equipment. Yeah, you have a, an espresso machine. You do, you do. Yeah, we all have it. Okay. You know, and then they call them World Barista Championship or World whatever. And it turns out that we want to be part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we struggle because we don't have access to the same things. Now that we, it's like, we want to play this game with these big guys, but we're like the small kids, <laughs> something like that. So now we have to roast coffee, cup coffee, brew coffee that was not meant for us to roast cup or brew. We were meant just to produce, sort, put in bags and ship. That 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 was the that was the the normal thing to do. So I don't think that like the people who are involved in these uh, initiatives today are responsible for the way it works. I think they are responsible for trying to change them. I don't think it's going to happen like overnight so far overnight so fast but i don't think it's also like i think the best way is to build these bridges and no saying like oh no fuck them they are like so like be the victims you know it's like yeah it's so hard for me and i can't and i can that that won't take you anywhere um it's more like hey This is happening. This is our reality. I don't think anyone has told you about it before. I don't think it's like, you know it and you're overseeing it. You just don't know. So let me explain you. (laughs) It's like, let me tell you what's going on here. So we can together 
build something different. I don't think it's, it's a matter of telling these people, hey, we want it to be different. Think, think and come with yeah, a solution. Figure it out. It's the same. They can't come with a solution for a reality that is not theirs. Yeah, that makes sense. Although many people think they can't. That, that, you know, many people solving these other people's problems without even asking them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I know that the only thing we actually haven't talked about is I know that you're a part of a nonprofit called the Chain Collaborative. So mm -hmm. can you tell me more about what they do and how you're a part of it and more about that? Yeah, it it also actually connects with connects with what I was saying. Uh, so the Chain Collaborative is a nonprofit that is focused on community-led development in the coffee industry, you know, in the coffee sector. So what we do is we partner with local leaders from coffee growing regions in Latin America and East Africa. And we, we have this program that is the, the community-led development incubator. So it works like a project incubator. So the leaders are uh, represent their broader community and they come up with a project they want to to carry out it doesn't have to be a coffee project it doesn't have to meet any requirement community led is that it's like we we believe that communities are totally capable of recognizing their own needs and building their projects around their goals their vision their like no one knows better what they need than them. themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we basically have the program. Uh, the The first six months of the program are a, a learning and design phase where we um, support them with training uh, in like project development. So we meet with them and it's like, it's a cohort. So we meet with the whole group and talk about like how to build your, your mission, your vision, how to design the project. And they will then like go to their community and work with them and come up with ideas and design the project. Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard sometimes to find funding for projects because it's like many people fund projects to meet a an agenda mm -hmm. like climate change or gender or water or so it's like it may be that but we don't know because we won't tell them what to do so if their needs are related to coffee producing they will be the, build a project around that um, at the moment we are working with six groups from latin america and the projects vary a lot we have a community that is um, building a like a hen house for to start an excelling business mm. because they were focused on diversifying their income, for example. So it's a coffee community, but they are just that's what they wanted to do. Uh, we have a community library 
we have uh, three of the groups are um, working in coffee, like work coffee processing or drying. They want to improve their quality. Um, one of the groups is um, from Colombia. They are an Aruaco community. It's an indigenous community. And their like larger goal is to recover ancestral land that was taken from them years ago. So they are now recovering, reforesting, and they have coffee. So they want to start selling their own coffee so they can keep buying lands and like recovering the Mm -hmm. ecosystems around coffee. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh So like coffee is the means, but they have larger goals. Um, So it's basically that like no one, we believe that no one has the right or the knowledge or the ability to tell anyone what to do. They know what to do. They probably don't know how and probably don't have the means to do it. So we provide them with, we we get funding. So each project uh, at the moment, we are working with a $15,000 uh, amount so they have this 15k to do whatever they want that's great though mm-hmm. so then they go into the implementation phase they they work in their communities and then we have like a final like closure phase it's the peer support where they report on their impact what have what has changed in the community and then they join this sort of alumni network where they can keep the idea is for them to be able to carry out any project in the future. Like they learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. That is TCC. That's great. Wow. That's amazing. That's yeah, a lot it's of great. Things. I love it. I love working with them. I started last year as a fellow. They have a, a fellowship program. And then I stayed. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a a vision of where you want like your coffee shop to go or do you have any personal projects that you're wanting to work on in the industry um in the future Mm. that you want to bring out um i think i i would like to focus on training and like creating sort of learning opportunities i i am not sure exactly how they can look like like it's a work in progress we are we have workshops classes courses events we're trying to like give shape to this space where people like anyone feels comfortable and like yeah and i'm not necessarily talking about a physical space we have a physical space but sort of create a platform for people to learn about coffee from different perspectives. Yes, learn about quality. If you want to learn about quality, learn about like brewing coffee, uh, but also like putting all these little, uh, I don't know, extras. <laughs> I want to hopefully in 10, 20, 30 years have a generation that sees things differently mm-hmm. than how we were taught. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have a specific person or scenario that inspired you where it stuck mm. with you through your whole coffee journey? 
I don't think so. I think it's been very dynamic. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't want to sound <laughs> like a bitter uh, person, but it's like people that do things the wrong way <laughs> inspire me to, <laughs> to do it the right way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, thank you for being there and thank you for saying this. So you, <laughs> it's like, now I have an idea. Right. You, you gave you gave me a great idea of how to do things. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> we just talked about so many different things and you had so many good points to say. I feel like I learned a lot during this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the space. Yeah, I feel like I've talked. No, this, I loved everything you had to say. I think it was all very valid and very important. And I definitely learned new things. And I think that was that's what matters to me the most is that I'm leaving this with a lot more information to look at what I do every day differently and to have a different approach. Um, but I just really do appreciate you being open and talking and coming on the podcast. Like what brought you to the podcast what made you want to be a part of it because i was curious on that i don't know i just i like you <laughs> I this is going to be fun <laughs> yeah i'm glad that makes me happy <laughs> yeah yeah is there anything else you'd like to say to close off no actually thank you thank you for like doing this also it's like i appreciate you having this space and these initiatives mm. to just talk <laughs> yeah like I, it's important mm -hmm. it's important for like i think you said something really great about taking away the fact that yeah we work in coffee there's a lot of that chain reaction of being the consumer and the buyer but like we also forget that we're all people like shouldn't like we should get to know each other to an extent if we're going to all work together and not make it transactional. Yeah, definitely. I I I find hard to consider like these coffee friends. Yeah, we can be coffee friends, but I want to know like Same. what music do you like? Mm -hmm. Like, like, what what do you want to eat? <laughs> What's your favorite food? <laughs> like, what do you like to do? Yeah, Hobbies. what show are you watching? Yeah, yeah it's like we are pe normal people. Let's try to be normal. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely appreciate you just telling me a lot, especially because I think the older that I'm getting to, the relationship I have with my mom, a lot of what you were highlighting as a mom and being in the industry, like, I'm glad that you said you're experience and your voice within that because i know that there's a lot of working moms in the industry as a whole so are they we don't know because we are all hidden yeah okay there you go perfect yeah yeah we should make a club or something <laughs> make a facebook group yeah yeah because we have facebook because we are moms <laughs> yes a whatsapp group oh my mom definitely has whatsapp <laughs> well yeah i really appreciate you coming on here and talking to me and being a part of this 
I'm really glad that I got the chance to talk to you and get to know you and more about your story. So thank you. Thank you. It was great. Sometimes not. Sometime we get to do it the other way. <laughs> you can tell me more about you. Oh yeah, anytime. I'm I'm not a stranger. I love okay, talking to great. people. <laughs> I will share. Okay. Well, okay, thank you. No problem. Thank you. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know it's been like over an hour now, so no worries. It like, was great. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I don't know what time it is over there. Same. Six six thirty. Oh, okay. Five. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're an hour behind. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, have a good night. Okay, you too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I feel like I have to sit with this one. They're progressively getting a lot more dramatically impactful to me, these conversations I have with these women. Wow. She really reminded me of my mom in such a heartwarming and and bittersweet way. She really highlighted so many good points, too. She definitely seems like she has so much more information that she could have indulged us on. But I think overall, the biggest thing was what the topic was specifically about. I think that she was waiting for this. I didn't even need to really ask her anything, which I love. I love the fact that people can come on here and can just really vent, you know, because that's what this felt like to me. It was like, finally, I have all these things. I have all these thoughts. Somebody really cares and wants to know, and we need to talk about the system. Gender is a part of this, but the system needs to be corrected and brought to awareness and talked about because in the end coffee is coffee what about the people what about what we're doing it for who it's affecting it it's not supposed to be just about who creates the best cup at a 90 score level with limited quality defects when it's like she just said how the producing countries get the scraps and it's like, and then Alexandra, the last episode was talking about how a lot of these producers don't even get to try their coffee. And then it's just, it's wild. Like I really was taken aback by certain things that she was saying. <sighs> amazing people though. Each, she's just an amazing woman. She is resilient. Cause she had to be, like she said, you know, like women have to always step up and be nonchalant about their survival instincts versus if we don't we don't get anywhere her interaction and she said the galapagos islands with that one producer wow that one that one hit me talking about i love that she put him in his place i love it i love the fact that she has such a feistiness that's so nonchalant about her Uh i'm excited for her Nonprofit that she collaborates with as well for the Chain Collaborative, doing amazing things for different communities all across Latin America. Um, and I love the fact that we had an opportunity for her to to bring that on here. So what can we what can we learn from this episode, right? What have we learned? We she said a lot. She said really good comments. She said a lot of good stories to bring it all together. And as much as we keep debating back and forth, what is the takeaway from this episode? And a lot of it comes down to what mothers have to put th- be put through and the standard of living in corporate business, even on all cultural standpoints, because she's from Ecuador. And then also the systemic problem that producers have to deal with, with coffee roasters and coffee buyers, 
along with that disconnect. She kept bringing that up as well. So what she's deciding to do to change things little by little for her business and for her work is connecting with the producers on a personal level, understanding their livelihood and what they have to need for financial stability and asking them to help set a price. That gives so much more freedom for the producers and what they're creating product-wise. And as the, cons- as the buyer, you have a good conscience as to working with these people. And then continuing to build that relationship. She said that people don't tend to come back and talk to these producers. They're like, okay, cool. Thanks for your coffee. Bye. Next person, next farmer, next people. And it's like, oh, cool. I guess I'm just like constantly giving and pumping out this product. And then like I'm just at the end of the day, the little man left. I'm very grateful for having worked with a great mentor who actually established this kind of fundamentals with coffee buying, coffee grading, coffee quality early on because he had learned all of this from the ground up in origin. He created relationships with specific farmers, continuously worked with those farmers, has still maintained these relationships being in the industry for at least over 10 years. That's what it is at the end of the day. I know that she and I know a lot of different People in the industry hate saying, like, the main reason why I'm still in the coffee industry is the people. Oh, the people. But at the end of the day, sadly, that cliche is the truth. It's the relationships you make with these people. Not even just for the fact that you get to to work side by side, if possible, with the producers. When you know who they are as characters, as personalities, as as actual people rather than just farmers and producers, the disconnect you have in terms of that being a business-oriented conversation and that being a personable conversation are very different. I think the biggest thing that I could really like that's going to stick with me after this episode is please interact with the farmers differently. Be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of when you're judging people. Be aware of when you're cupping. And don't be so stickler on these defects and what they create overall for the cup experience. And do what she's doing. Take the defects. Make a cup. Understand the differences. Does it really deteriorate the quality of the coffee? Or is it just the standard that anything that has any defect is no longer a good cup? 